HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. The great state of Wisconsin is home to the only master cheesemaking program outside of Switzerland. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com. This week on a special bonus episode of Meat in 3, we find out why the bacon, egg, and cheese, that classic bodega sandwich, is popping up on menus of New York's trendiest restaurants. We did a few iterations of it, and I was trying to fancify it. We tried the sausage, egg, and cheese, and then we tried to put charmoula sauce on it. We used feta cheese, and we're just like taking ingredients of the Mediterranean, if you will, and try to infuse it. But uh, for me, it was like a car wreck. Tune in to hear about the wild journey of the bacon, egg, and cheese, from deli to fine dining, on Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, available wherever you listen to podcasts. All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we're coming to you from Italy Flatiron in New York City. It is Wednesday, September 25th, 2019. We will be airing this show in a couple weeks. This is the 231st episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a world-renowned chef and leading culinary figure, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be generous. Give more than you receive, or better yet, give without expecting anything back. Be that person who goes the extra mile without intention. And I don't mean just monetarily, but also with kindness, with, with love, and with support. Go beyond one's expectations and surprise and delight with generosity. They say when you send goodness out to the world, eventually it will come back to you twofold. So do good as it will bring good and the feel goods. And isn't that what we all want? That's my tip today. 
Now I am so honored to have the opportunity to interview my guest. It is Massimo Botoro, world-renowned Italian chef and restaurateur. With over 20 years of experience helming acclaimed three Michelin star Osteria Frances Francescana in Modena, Italy, which has held the number one spot on the world's 50 best restaurant list. And thanks to his innovative energy and social sensitivity, Massimo is considered one of the world's leading culinary figures. In 2015, he decided to apply his creative energy to the issue of food waste and dedicate himself to community projects, founding Food for Soul along with his wife, Laura Gilmore. They also recently opened Francescana at Maria Luigia, an Italian country house in Modena, plus many other projects. Massimo is also the author of Never Trust a Skinny Italian Chef and Bread is Gold, the first book to take a holistic look at the subject of food waste. Welcome to the show. Hi, Massimo. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I love your tip. Actually, it's an amazing tip. It's what you need in life, you know? Wake up and just open yourself to the other. First thing you have to say with a real meaning, buongiorno, good morning. If you really mean it, it's gonna, a lot of doors and hearts, they're gonna be open for you and ready to listen to you. Thank you. My tip was inspired by you. And I wrote it thinking <laughs> of you. you. I really did. I really did. Thank you. Um, I thought it would be fitting for this show knowing a bit about what you do and your generosity. Uh, so thank you. You're welcome. I like to start out with my guests a bit about their background and finding out how and why they got into this crazy culinary industry we're in. And um, so. What was your childhood like? Was that a major influence of, of your direction into the, being a chef? Mm, I think so. Uh, I grew up in a very large family in a art of uh, the food valley in Emilia Romagna. And uh, my mom came from uh, south of Italy, the hills outside of Modena. And uh, the, the, their uh, brothers, they, they own uh, uh, cheese company, like very small uh, cheese uh, company where they make Parmigiano-Reggiano. And my father comes from uh, north of Modena, close to the Po River, the valley, the flatland, and uh, they own land. And uh, so uh, growing up, we had uh, the opportunity to have all these products from uh, south, north. Uh, um, and it, it's like just... Uh, crazy how a kid can grow and uh, enjoy and experience uh, uh, the pleasure to sit around the table and uh, share a meal with a, with a large family and beautiful product. So I think uh, this is the key point, is the first seed that was planted in my, in my, uh, in my mind and uh, that, you know, 20 years later, growing up, you know, became like a big tree and, you know, I gave up the law school to become a chef. This was 1985. And where did you gain culinary experience? What were, did you have some mentors? Yeah. I, growing up, uh, I always found uh, 
um, the um, kitchen uh, in my home uh, uh, as the safety place because you know my grandmother or my mom was like defending me I was the younger of the old family so uh, and I was a real troublemaker so you know my safety place was the kitchen because uh, uh, you know my older brother they want to yeah have me and kick me <laughs> but uh, you know my grandmother was always defending me even if I was wrong so um, I always felt the kitchen was the safety place in my life and still now is the place where I go and hide when I have problems or when I you know I'm trouble in my mind and uh, you know that's the place where you relax you get clear and you you always find a solution so that's uh, that's what it was then uh, um, at one point uh, um, uh, the, the, the a simple interest uh, start growing and became a passion and at uh, that point when you have a passion you are on fire with passion, with something as contemporary art or music or, you know, it's something that lives with you. I always say, I, 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 you, what, if you ask me what I'm doing every day, you know, I live my passion, I ride my passion, I don't live my, the metaphysical of my life, you know, because I, the, uh, cooking, uh, listen to music, uh, have, you know, what, uh, or, by contemporary art uh, is, is my passion, it's my passion. I steal idea from the artist or, and uh, that's uh, how the creative process began for me. Art has became my landscape of ideas. So you opened Osteria Francescana in 1995. Yeah. What, did you, did you want to be a restaurateur? Did you, how did that come about? Did you just find a, a location and just say, I'm ready to do this on my own. And then hmm. I know, I mean, it's, you've, you've, been, you've, you've been running this restaurant, which is, as we we're saying before the show, it's very hard to get into now. A long wait list, very successful. Been on the top 50 list many times in the, when the top contenders and number one. Um, but I, from what I understand, the beginning wasn't, so maybe so easy or so well received. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I start uh, much before uh, with a small restaurant in the countryside of Modena, just ten kilometers from Modena, and you know where you know we. I had the opportunity to make a lot of mistakes. I had the opportunity to meet uh, many, many, many great chefs, and um, as Lydia Cristoni, like an old Razdora, you know, Razdora means. Um, now Razdora, you have like a, a restaurant here in New York called Razdora, and by, right. by, by Stefano Secchi. That is like right. he's a guy who worked <laughs> for me, and he loved the idea of Razdora and learn how to make pasta. Razdora was the is the name of uh, the lady who take care of the house. You know, the, she take care of the economy, she take care of the food, she take care of everything. And um, Lydia Cristoni, she was taking care of me at that time. She teach me all humbleness, first of all, and uh, how to prepare and to be professional in a, with uh, the line before service. And then I had the opportunity to meet this amazing French chef to Michelin star. 
in the 80s and work uh, uh, and stage with them uh, for a couple of years. Uh, and I learned uh, the classic preparation, French preparation. Then uh, I met uh, Alain Ducasse and uh, he asked me to come in Monte Carlo. He, at that time, in like 89, 90, he had just that Monte Carlo place and uh, in the Hotel de Paris and uh, was uh, a dream because at that time Ducasse was considered like one of the three best chefs in the world and uh, I've learned so much the traditional cuisine and the farm to table so it was like the first one who was uh, pointing the finger on markets and say you have, you, we should really take care of our markets or our farmers bring the food uh, from there, buy and directly into the pan, directly into the tables. And that was like, was a revolution in France at that time. Um, then I spent one year in New York. I met Lara, uh, she came back with me and uh, we decided to uh, open uh, Osteria Francescana in uh, 2004, um, 1994. 1995, yeah, yeah. but we start the restoration by ourselves because we didn't have the money to, to, you know, to pay people to restore. We were scrubbing, you know, the floor, the walls, the painting, you know, it's like, it was fun, it was fun. I heard Laura speak, uh, I think it was last year at the Welcome Conference yeah. in New York, and I met her too, and uh, she was, she was amazing in hearing her story in the background of how you guys met in New York. and. Yeah. Um, it was a serendipity, you know, we started yeah. the same day, same shift, <laughs> it was like eight, uh, at the 8th of April 1993, uh, the shift to be from 2 to closing time, and uh, she was uh, working behind the bar, I was working in the kitchen, the kitchen was open, so we were like, uh, you know. We had we had yeah. we had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> so so then, I mean, years passed. You're working. You're 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 running this restaurant. And I know it's a very hard hard industry to be a part of. And then you eventually you get Michelin star, and eventually you get three Michelin stars. So how? <laughs> That's I mean, more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Three Michelin stars. Yeah, we'll keep it. Just keep seven, seven restaurants in the, the in Italian or yeah. eight restaurants in Italian history for in the last fifty years, you know, yeah. happened. You know, Was never that? never in Emilia Romagna. So it's like we made history. So it's like three Michelin stars that like the, be recognized by Ita the Italian, recognized by the chef, the French. It's not easy, you know that. Yeah. No, we are cousin, but we are very competitive. And uh, so, but uh, it was a dream for me mm -hmm. because I remember when I, I said to my father that I was like leaving law school and I, I said, you see, he was very upset. Uh, you see, oh, I'm gonna bring uh, to, in Emilia, in Modena, the three Michelin star, just to say something, no? And it, but it's always been in my mind. And, uh, and in 2011, the dream became reality, you know. And how did things change? I mean... No, but you know, our job, it's all about hard work. People yeah. think we are rock star, but we are not. It's all about hard work, every day, every day, every day, an obsession. It's obsession. 
The secret of success is obsession. Stay there, stay in track, uh, play, you know, like a super uh, soccer player or like a F1 driver. Keep your body and your mind straight. And, uh, you know, focus on building an amazing team. The team is everything in our job. It's not me, it's the team. And uh, keep the team together as a family. This is another amazing thing that Lydia Cristoni teach me mm-hmm. back in the days. And, uh, you know, learn the lessons from everyone. Travel a lot with your mind and your eyes open, but never forget who you are and where you come from. So this is a, these are good suggestions for any young, uh, you know, uh, yeah. kid who wants to be a chef. But always remember, it's all about hard work. I'm thinking they're good tips for my future shows. <laughs> You're giving me tips. Be humble. <laughs> but and and I know the art has well, it's it's uh, inspiration for your dishes as well. Yeah, yeah. Art is uh, is what really makes visible the invisible. It's uh, <clears throat> we don't we I, we live in Modena. We don't even see the cathedral from uh, the door of Osteria Franciscana. But, uh, uh, so we don't have like beautiful landscape, uh, like the Dolomites or the Gulf of Sorrento, uh, but we have culture. And uh, so art became our motivational force, is what really shaped the landscape of our ideas. And uh, as Picasso was always saying, copy yourself is a sterile exercise but still from the other, it's extremely important to evolve. So I've learned that lesson and I, I'm really into stealing idea from the artist and transform uh, my passion into edible bites, sitting on centuries of history, like very Italian. My cuisine is very Italian, even mm-hmm. if it's abstract, but filter by contemporary mind. That's very important because uh, what I do I always respect my past, but I look at my past in a critic way, never in a nostalgic one, to bring the best from the past into the future. This is our job. And I think you're doing it very, very well. (laughs) On that note, let's take a little break and we'll come back and we'll talk more with Massimo Botoro. So stay with us. This is Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that 90% of Wisconsin's milk is made into cheese? And this is not just any milk. When Swiss, German, and Italian cheesemakers first settled into Wisconsin, they chose their new home because of the special terroir of the region. Its soil and water are nurtured by the goodness of glacial sediment, and those elements lend themselves to the very best milk. Today, Wisconsin produces 25% of all cheeses made in the U.S., and Wisconsin cheeses have won more awards than any other state or country in the world. How do they do it? Wisconsin cheesemakers combine their heritage and tradition with nonstop innovation. They were the first state to establish cheese-grade standards and the first to require that every cheese plant be overseen by a licensed cheesemaker. Wisconsin is the only place outside of Europe where one can pursue an elite master cheesemaker certification. 
All of these impeccably high standards mean Wisconsin produces more than 48% of the nation's specialty cheese. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is world-renowned Italian chef and restaurateur Massimo Bottoro, most known for three Michelin star Osteria Francescana in Modena, Italy, and also most known for Food for Soul. So let's talk about Food for Soul. This is a nonprofit organization which you launched, I believe, in 2015. 2015. Yeah. So, so what inspired you to um, create this amazing organization? But was um, we had to confront uh, the Universal Exposition when that was coming up, and uh, we were in 2014, and we were discussing about that. And I thought it was an opportunity to show what uh, the chef can do together. Um, uh, the Universal Exposition in Milan had the theme uh, Feed the Planet. So we start confronting numbers and uh, research what was going on on the planet. I was very, uh, I'm really very sensitive about that. and. Uh, so I saw the number FAO, and uh, we produce food for 12 billion people, and we are seven on Earth, and uh, 860 million people, they don't have anything to eat. We waste food, 1.3 billion tons of food that we produce. 33% of the production goes to waste in one second. Food that is just surplus food is not waste at all. And, um, and so uh, I said uh, to all my colleague friends, we have to be together and show the world that a chef can really make the difference in, a, in such a, as an opportunity, such an opportunity for us. So we decided to feed the planet our own way and create a, um, this uh, soup kitchen. Uh, but it's, it's a different soup kitchen. It's a soup kitchen where beauty uh, is the main part of this because uh, we want to, uh, this is a cultural project in which uh, we rescue the surplus food and we transform into amazing meals in a most beautiful um, uh, environment. Uh, so the church in Milan, they gave us this uh, um, abandoned theater from 1930 um, and we transform it with the, with the help of architects, of designer, of artists in one of the most beautiful places in Milan right now and uh, in which we host uh, migrants, refugees, homeless from the most neglected neighborhood in Milan, Greco, on the side of the refugee's house. Um, we didn't know what to do at that time. We just uh, guessed that we could make it. So, um, a track, uh, like a refrigerated track, was like going through the Universal Exposition, rescue the inevitable food waste from the Universal Exposition and um, from the old village and uh, was coming uh, in Greco 
and what we were doing, we were unloading the track every morning. Uh, all these, the most influential chefs in the world, they were flying from everywhere, unload the track in the morning and cook for kids for lunch and uh, homeless, refugees, migrants for dinner. It was such an explosive idea that became, uh, you know, one of maybe the most important idea behind their Universal Exposition in 2015. So I found myself speaking at the G7, talking with all these delegation from all over the world. Even uh, the White House came and Michelle Obama and, and it was like explosive. Um, uh, but once the Universal Exposition closed, I thought it was over, no? We left the soup kitchen better than before to the volunteers. They were keep feeding the people every night. And, but the mayor of Rio de Janeiro, uh, the Gasomotiva mm -hmm. things, uh, and uh, a beautiful journalist called Ale For Alexander Forbes, contact me and say, we want the project in uh, Rio de Janeiro for the Olympics. So I said, why not? But we have to create a foundation. So me and Lara, we create a Food for Soul, in, which, in a foundation in which we raise money uh, to open uh, this kind of projects. We opened Rio since then, then Modena, Bologna, Naples, London, Paris, and now we are here in New York because uh, the Rockefeller Foundation gave us a big grant to, to, uh, to help us to find the opportunity to start opening also in North America. Now we have uh, Mexico that is uh, almost ready. Uh, the mayor of Montreal uh, gave us a space and we are and we are very close to close uh, something in the United States. But I can't say, you know, it's like, it's, uh, I'm scaramantic. <laughs> well, well, you already, you said New York City, United States. I know, States, I so, know, I know. Um, New York, New York is my, you know, yeah. it's a priority for me because New York is New York, is yeah. where I met Lara, is, a, is my home away from home. So it's like, I, I really have, uh, yeah, special is yeah. a special place in it's in my heart for New York. Oh, it's impressive and I was I was I visited Milan in 2015 to yeah. attend the World Expo and to dine at your restaurant, which I'm lucky mm -hmm. uh, I was able to and I went solo and had the most amazing experience. I don't know if you remember this, but you actually yeah. sent me home with Parmigiano Reggiano. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, but but I remember I think you know launching it then. Uh, I mean looking back, I think it was a really it was a smart smart yeah. move. Yeah. And to see um, how you've grown and your success and and that you've had so many chefs involved as well. That's a big component 60, of it. In, in just in Milan, sixty five of the most influential chefs in the world. Yeah. Then uh, we really play local, like uh, Naples for example. There are all chefs from Campania from down south. It's like. They are so, you understand, it's like they are so warm and ready to give. And it's like unbelievable. We're having so much, so many people. Paris, all the three Michelin stars are coming. 
to see what was going what was going on in there and they like live with such a joy in their art it's amazing it's amazing it's really amazing yeah. and uh, yeah it's a it's a beautiful project it's much more what you receive than what you give yeah no it really is so this is a good segue to my question on my last episode on episode 230 I had the opportunity to interview Thomas Keller yeah chef and proprietor of Thomas Keller restaurant group so I asked him to ask you a question yeah. So his question, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read his uh, intro up to it because it's giving you a sense of where he's coming from. So Thomas said, it's hard to come up with a question for any chef or Massimo, but I'd like to recognize the quality of the man that he is and his sense of generosity and responsibility. The kitchens that he's opened up to help feed the homeless is extraordinary and should be a model for the ability for a community to feed the hungry. So my question is, is there a way for you to build a platform that other people then could copy, like a franchisable sort of thing? So what you've learned through the process, if that somehow could be given to others to do what you've done with helping the unfortunate in their homes? Amazing question. Yes. And uh, this is uh, exactly what is going on right now. And we have... um, we have many relations with uh, uh, amazing people from uh, Amazon, Google, uh, Salesforce, and uh, they're building a platform in which uh, we, are, we can share what's going on in all the refettorio, but most uh, all the volunteers, thousands of thousands of thousands of people, they believe in our cause and they want to help. It's unbelievable you're never going to imagine how many people they want to help, they want to be part of this. And this is something that gives me so much uh, energy and uh, hope for the future, you know. There's a a study that is shown uh, everywhere, even in the Museum of Future, in which uh, the the, the vision and the provision for, for the future um, uh, is for 2050 the, the people in need they're going to be less than half so 400 million compared to 860 million so the revolution is now we have, we have to act now we don't know yet because we are acting in the present but uh, maybe we are creating a, a, an incredible movement for the future so Let's keep uh, going and fight for that. Yeah, well, I want to say power to you. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> it's really amazing. Thank you. So what, what advice, well, one more question before we take another break. What advice would you have for someone who's a uh, younger generation who's looking to be a chef or restaurateur? What would you, what would it, you tell them? There's already there a, a very important humanistic revolution. Uh, it's no more about uh, those crazy technique uh, that we were like to show off how good you are in the, in the kitchen. We all know that we all know the technique and just work hard, focus, put uh, the attic close to the aesthetic, stay close to your farmers, fishermen, cheesemaker, care about those people because they are the people that pay a fair, pay a fair, fair price for the, 
for the ingredients, for those ingredients that you're gonna serve because uh, the emotion are in there. So not, it's not about uh, just uh, a good meal, it's about to feed people with emotions. That's what really makes a difference in life. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we're gonna take another break here and we're gonna come back and we are going to play my speedrun game and talk some industry news. So stay with us. This is Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Join Heritage Radio Network on Monday, November 11th for a raucous feast to toast a decade of food radio. Our 10th anniversary Bacchanal is a rare gathering of your favorite chefs, mixologists, storytellers, thought leaders, and culinary masterminds. We'll salute the inductees of the newly minted HRN Hall of Fame, who embody our mission to further equity, sustainability, and deliciousness. Explore the beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe. Taste and imbibe to your heart's content, and bid on once-in-a-lifetime experiences and tasty gifts for any budget at our silent auction. Tickets available now at heritageradionetwork.org slash gala. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Massimo Bottura, and it is time for my speed round game. It's going to be fun. So what this is, is I... Name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Chocolate or? So I'll say chocolate or vanilla, and then you say chocolate or whatever your favorite is. All right. <laughs> chocolate and vanilla. Okay. Both. Fabulous. There's no, <laughs> the, the thing with this game is there are no rules, there's no right, there's no wrong. It's just fun. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? <laughs> Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? I'm always leave uh, the chance uh, of the sh- for the chef to choose whatever he wants to feed me. I hear you. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Large large plates are boring. (laughs) I think you could probably do good art on a larger plate though. I'm I'm picturing your, um, what's it, the beautiful psychedelic meal. Yeah. (laughs) But we'll go with the small. Okay, how about communal table or chef's counter? Oh, communal table. It's what we did. We we are doing now in Casa Maria Luisa. We create a, another revolution. <laughs> we didn't know what to do. Uh, we had um, I had like I bought three tables from uh, Mendini, like beautiful Italian designer. We did this table for we designed this table for the um, Universal Exposition, the Refettorio of Milan, and. Uh, I put it in a carriage space and I decided uh, to break all the walls and create a um, kitchen uh, to, to cook in front of the people. And now we are hosting every night 24 people in Casa Maria Luigia, uh, just in the middle of the country of Modena. 
and we cook for them in front of uh, the, 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 the same iconic dishes of Osteria Francescana in front of them and mm -hmm. they, they are part of the whole experience and they are sharing the table, three communal table, so 24, 8, 8 and 8. Uh, we didn't know what to do. Well, you know, bring the ex refectory experience right, into, right. into the fine yeah. dining is like, whoa, right. so radical, no? But first Saturday, we were like, we jump. First Saturday, after three days of service, eight people, they were sitting at the same table. Two, eight Americans. Two, very liberal from Boston. Two, very Republican from Texas. Mm. Four friends from Boulder, Colorado. They were smoking pods in the park, <laughs> you know, like so crazy. So they were sitting at the same table. I said, this tonight is going to be the last night of this experience. And at the end of the meal, they made a reservation next year, same date, same people, same table. Wow. So this is what I mean, yeah. sharing a meal around the table, the power of food and the joy of sharing a table together. Leave your phone on the side and talk to each other. That's amazing. Yes, I a friend, colleague of mine, Keith Durst, I know was recently there and had a fabulous experience. Yes, and, yes. Um, Everyone leaves yes. so happy. Yes. Wow, they switch numbers, they became friends, but the most incredible people, so different from one from another, you know, amazing. Amazing. Of course I want to go. <laughs> mm. Okay. Let's do a few more. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? All-inclusive. Pizza or pasta? Can you can You can't can you ask pay? an Italian pizza my... or pasta. <laughs> Both, of that's course. That's my unfair one, I guess. Yeah. Another unfair one will be something... Like uh, tortellini walking on broth, or five ages of Parmigian, Parmigiano Reggiano, no, or no, oops, no, I no, dropped no. the lemon no, tart. No, 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 uh, you can't. Sorry. You oops, can't. I dropped the lemon tart. <laughs> no. I can't. I can't. Well, having yeah, I know. How can these you choose this? Well, how do you? First of all, how do you come up with these names? <laughs> um, is it? Do, do they, is it all just, I don't know, different times or in no, the middle of the night you wake a, up and you're like, there's, just a, there you go. A short story, uh, yeah. you know, the title of a very complicated and articulate uh, creative process. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's about uh, focus on what you eat, not just eating tortellini, but what kind of tortellini and how you want to serve it. It's about uh, the slowly aging process in Emilia-Romagna, serving one ingredient and uh, actually two ingredients, the Parmigiano-Reggiano and the thyme. The thyme that evolve uh, that ingredient and transform that ingredient in five different ingredients. And um, the third one is, uh, be free to make mistakes. Mistakes are beautiful. Mistakes, uh, they make you look human and uh, they open uh, the art of the people that are sitting there. That's why I say I love to feed people with emotion. 
is the Oops, I Dropped Lemon Tart is like, it's about poetry. It's about uh, um, keep that space in your crazy schedule life open for poetry in which you can jump and imagine to serve in a three Michelin star, a broken lemon tart. And it's delicious. Oh, that, that's, that's the first uh, thing, you know. Oh, Food yeah. has to be good and healthy. Then uh, everything else. But first of all, good and healthy. Okay, I have two more with the game. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. And dessert. <laughs> <laughs> Both. Both. <laughs> Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Medina? Well, another, another hard one. No, it's to me is as I was I, I was saying uh, yesterday night that the secret uh, of my life is uh, living in Modena and uh, stay there, uh, experience uh, the small town life. But uh, in the moment, you feel so comfortable in that life, leave and be in New York or Tokyo or Hong Kong and New York again, because, uh, you know, New York has always a special place for me. And, and for me, it's like, this is the secret. It's like a couple of days there, three days in the other side, two days there, three days on the other side of the world. It's the way to keep evolving, to mm -hmm. stay fresh with your mind. And uh, that's what really makes the difference in life. Yeah, well, I think it ties into why I love to travel too. Yeah, you know, yeah. Seeing traveling you know, with your yeah, yeah, your ears and your eyes open, no, to learn, keep mm -hmm. learning, keep evolving. Ah, oh, it's the secret. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That was the game. And we are now being joined by Italian chef Antonia Klukvin, a from Michelin starred restaurant Le Argine a Venco in. Gorizia, Italy. Yes. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. So this is the industry news part of the show where we talk about uh, something happening, an article. Um, before we, we, we get to that, I thought we'd talk a little about the event that we're at now at Italy in New York City. So uh, do you both want to um, talk a little about uh, what that involves and uh, what this uh, yeah, that means to you? Well, um, this is a great opportunity, you know, being here in New York. I come from a little, little town in the northeast of Italy, so being in New York, it's such a great occasion for me and uh, seeing new people, but also surrounded by, with this beauty, you know. This city is amazing, exciting for me. <laughs> so what events are happening uh, over the... A couple uh, days here. Yes, in, I had a York. I had a demo, uh, a demo classroom yesterday. Uh -huh. um, I could, you know, tell something about my restaurant and about my my vision of ingredients. And tonight I will have a um, um, eight hands dinner. So I will I will do the the main course for tonight. Wonderful. What about you, Massimo? Um. Yeah, I'm, um, you know, it's 10 years that I'm coming here and uh, it's like, uh, I don't want to lose the opportunity to to come in New York and share with all the guys from Identita Golosa this kind of amazing feeling that we have, 
You know, we did the all, uh, you know, we picked all our friends. We share with all our friends here from Eric Repair to Danielle, uh, Dave Chang, uh, everyone. And and now, uh, um, today, yesterday we did this um, beautiful class up on the roof of Italy. And uh, I brought with me all the chefs from uh, Osteria Gucci, Franceschetta, Francescana, Casa Maria Luisa, because I want them all here, part of this uh, event, share with them the opportunity to come in New York and uh, make them uh, look like, all right, guys, this is New York. So don't get lost in your everyday life. Ride your everyday life. It's not, yeah, we have to do something much better than uh, there was like the United Nation conference uh, in which I attend Monday. And, uh, you know, it was uh, really touching and, uh, and uh, actually I left kind of worried to see what was going on there. Um, and uh, yesterday night I did this dinner at Sotheby's because Sotheby's asked me to curate a contemporary art show in New York. So oh, that's, wow. that's, <laughs> my, that's my dream, you know, yeah. it was like Living being it. in New York, you know, and curate a contemporary art show. Whoa, what's going on? Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, tonight I'm here and doing nothing. I let my chef to do everything. I just want to enjoy uh, the dinner that Antonia and all the others are preparing tonight. Yeah, I'm going to be at the dinner tonight, the oh, dine good, around. Good, good. And uh, lots of leading chef ladies uh, cooking tonight. Um, so the article that I have was in the, the Sun Daily, and it's entitled The Gender Gap and the Future of French Gastronomy Addressed at the World's 50 Best Restaurants Forum. And so it's talking about the, a few uh, recently in Paris, uh, there was uh, a forum uh, tied to the 50 best list, which uh, comes out annual, annually. I know you're familiar with it. And um, there, was, there were panelists who were five top male chefs involved. And uh, it came up in, in conversation about uh, female representation at this at this panel and also uh, uh, on the list, which there's been criticism over the years that there isn't enough uh, females maybe on the list. They've created the World's Best Female Chef Award, which, um, you know, people have their opinions if it's a great thing or if it's not a great thing. So I thought uh, I wanted to hear what you guys thought of, of all of this. <laughs> you want to talk? I don't want to talk. No, I don't want to talk because it's so stupid yeah. that I don't even want to start a discussion okay. about this. And, you know, it's like, it's not that I'm here because I'm like, and I brought uh, Jessica uh, Roosevelt from Canada and uh, that she's the chef at Maria Luisa or Karime Lopez. She's the chef at uh, uh, Osteria Gucci or my wife that she's the president of Food for Soul. I'm here and uh, I, they are here because they deserve to be here, because they have the quality to be here, because they are much more talented than any other to be yeah. that in that position. So I don't understand what we are talking about. I really don't. And I don't even want to start a discussion like this. So. Well, uh, I think that uh, if only one man um, is behind me in a list because I'm a woman, I lose. 
you know? So, of course, I want what I deserve, uh, but I don't want to stole it from a man who is better than me. I want to go for the prize with the same possibilities that a man have. Um, we come from a country that is, uh, I think, for uh, uh, a little bit hard for women in every single uh, job, not only in the cuisine. I think uh, the kitchen are a, a place of freedom for, for me and uh, of uh, meritocracy because the guests are not interested if you're ugly, <laughs> if you're beautiful, if you have a good makeup or uh, if you are polite. They only look the dish and the taste. And I think that maybe I have chosen kitchen as my, my field because of that. I love this. And I don't want anybody to stole from me this freedom, of course. Well said. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is what it is. We don't have to... I don't know. No, it's, a, it's such a silly ignorant stupid things to to discuss that to me is like drive me nuts you know because i could never ever have done what i've done mm -hmm. without all this and i had told and i answered to marco pierre white when he did that first article uh, on the guardian and like i said i don't know what what's going on here or there but to me uh, when for my personal experience When, uh, uh, when we start opening in a serious way to women, uh, um, you know, chef, they're like brought some sensibility, some much deeper sensibility. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not the, sure of that, you know, I'm not sure of that because... No, I'm no, but uh, you know, when, when, when I'm, I'm talking about the experience because, uh, you know, I've seen the experience that was going on in, in, in Austria Franciscana at mm -hmm. that time, I'm talking about... Uh, six, seven years ago, okay. um, and uh, you know, for us, from like from we were number five at that time, and uh, you know, the whole uh, the whole scenario changed, mm -hmm. and uh, it was like it was such an amazing uh, uh, and smart things to do. Uh, but uh, what Antonio was like referring was uh, the last. Things that uh, this Italian chef, old guy, said <laughs> in a, in a in an interview, it was like so stupid and yes. silly that I I don't even want to start the discussion. Yes, but I think that uh, um, you know, women, uh, ta talented women, uh, we have to look for them, you know, and and I think uh, maybe uh, women who are in my position can do something for the new generation of women and help them in a way to erase, to, to grow. And I think that's beautiful because even male chef can do the same because the numbers of women in the kitchen are not enough. If the talent, if the talent is divided in two because 50% of the talent is in our, is women of course um, and uh, in the kitchen they are not 50% they are much much 
less than right. than fifty percent. Uh, this means that uh, we lose some of the talent that we have in this world, and we have to help this talent to come up. And I I think that this will be our future, helping talent to erase the growth. Yes, and I agree. And I know I've seen um, you know many chefs, female chefs, speak about you know. Don't, it's it's just about being a chef. Like it's not yes. about being a female chef or a male chef. It's a chef's a chef, yeah. and and I agree with that. So <laughs> there you I, have that's it. why I to me it's not worth to talk about. Okay, but it you know well, we we have to worry about for for the young female chefs. I think in a way you know to help them. Don't you think we are yeah, responsible this, you know, for them? To, personally. Um, I'm like I'm like totally um, into talent and not into genders you know I'm like I don't care if you're like man woman um, gay whatever you know you are talented or you're not talented and if I if I look uh, to all the restaurants we have i could say that we are there are more female than uh, than men. I I just think about Franceschetta right now. No, They're like seventy five percent of female, twenty five percent of men. In my personal uh, uh, Franceschetta, in uh, Gucciosteria with Karime, they're like uh, yeah, they could be fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. In Osteria, sixty forty. Okay. You know, it's like, this is my personal experience. And they're growing, you know, they're growing because they're amazing. You know, I see things even, uh, even uh, I see things that they're getting much better than 20 years ago, for example. Yes, it is. But if you go to the schools, you understand that uh, uh, women, young chefs, um, they don't do the same thing that males, male, male cooks do at the same age in Italy. We have big problems uh, during their 20s and during, during their uh, 30s. That's because of the, of, of, I don't know, maybe our society, uh, but I think there's a lot to do in the schools to help uh, young cooks. And I want to do that because they need help. Because then I don't receive CVs from women. So I'm one of the most uh, important women chef of my country and I don't receive the CVs. It means something for me. Yeah, and I think getting this conversation and this voice out when there are articles like this is important, you know? Yeah. So, um, no, no, I agree. I agree. But because some people have, I'm a, obviously, I'm a, have, you know, there's, there's an opinion enough that an article like this gets written. Mm. So, uh, Massimo Bottura, as other chefs in Italy, very famous, they have really many women involved in their companies. And that's really a strong thing that was never happened in my country. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm aware that the, our society is really below those numbers. And I want to increase them because really the yeah. talent is both sides you know yeah absolutely I agree one, one thing that another thing that is very important that makes me 
that it comes in my mind is like the old office of Food for Soul. That, so I'm talking about the one who managed all the chefs in the world uh, for the refectorio are 100% women. But not because there were no men curriculum or stuff like that. Because right. when we did the interview, they were the, the women, qualified. they were yeah. much, you know, much better than, you know, the, the, the man curriculum. And, and, and also the, the, the vision, their vision about feeding the people, managing this, raise a new opportunity, um, uh, fighting food waste, uh, be alert on what was uh, inclusion in society. It's different. It's different. They're 100%. And they are managing all the most important chefs in the world, like Christina Reni and uh, talks with uh, yeah. and, uh, and uh, organize uh, Michel Bra, Alain Passard, Alain Ducasse as a perfect manager. So it's not just about in the kitchen, but it's about in the office, it's about uh, in, a, in a room, uh, it's about everywhere. Jill Conklin is a, a friend of mine. Oh. I know she's on your team. <laughs> she's, uh, she's my buddy. Fabulous. And <laughs> she's she doesn't fabulous. Know, she doesn't know that I'm doing this interview now, but I will be getting in touch with her this week and letting her know. She's, she's uh, wonderful. She's, uh, uh, she did uh, for in the United States much more than what I was expected in, yeah. uh, with uh, you know, all her job and now Deeply, she went uh, with the, using patience with all these giant companies, and wait one week and two weeks and explore all the different, you know, possibilities to open uh, New York, uh, Chicago, Seattle, uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Uh, so you know, wonderful! It, it's uh, it's yeah. wonderful, yeah. wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm she's, so a, she's, she's a, yeah. right now she's the main part of my, you know, she's the one who I, yeah. who I confront when I have a problem. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, she's that, amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Really great. Yeah. And very passionate. Yeah, well, passion, passion is a big part of this, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think you have to have passion to do, yeah. to be successful. So, um, well, thank you both. Thank uh, you. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, we're going to take one more break. We're going to come back. We'll have my solo dining experience, and we will do the final question. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Disfrutar. The location, Carrera de Valerol in Barcelona, Spain. The concept, a modern European restaurant with a creative cuisine meant to Disfrutar, which means delight. The chefs and owners, 
Oreo Castro, Edouard Chatruc, and Matea Casanas, who previously worked at Legendary El Bulli prior to its closure in 2011. So why did I go? Because it's a highly ranked restaurant with an excellent reputation, and I was ex excited to experience a menu that was influenced by El Bulli. I never made it to, to that restaurant. So my experience. So I had a reservation for one for a very late lunch. Uh, at the front, I was greeted by the hostess. I was given a tour through the restaurant and you walk through the open kitchen. I was able to meet two of the chefs along the way and I was seated at a nice two-top along the banquette facing the dining room near the kitchen. Um, service had started a little slow. I think I came in right at the peak of lunch, but uh, my feast soon began and the staff was absolutely lovely. Uh, many servers, uh, many, many people in the staff come by. Uh, welcoming me and serving the different dishes. There's a lot of tableside preparation, uh, very unique elements for the senses, and the entire meal was extremely entertaining and moved quite fast for a long meal. So what did I get? So they have four tasting menu options. They have a Grand and Discrete Art Classico menu, and they have a Grand or Discrete Art Festival menu, and the classic is the classics, and the festival's more modern dishes. So I actually asked for a combo, which they obliged, and actually thinking back when I went to Osteria Francescana in 2015, um, I had asked for this as well, and I, uh, a little combo of your, um, uh, of your uh, past dishes and more modern dishes, and I believe you, you have that now with the contemporary traditional combined, so um, that's where I got the idea, and it worked. So I went with a larger one, which was a lot of food. I mean, I'm going to tell you how many courses. It was 30 courses. The other one's 25. Um, yes. So my take, really wonderful. Some of my favorite dishes were the uh, pancino filled with beluga caviar, crispy seaweed ravioli. Uh, there was a carbonara egg with mushrooms and truffle, and for dessert, uh cheesecake cornet and a fossil with cocoa pulp. Um, it was a lot of food. Actually, I skipped dinner that night uh, and this was the, the next day I went to lunch at La Cova Fumado, which I talked about on my previous episode and I did mention how I skipped dinner because it was so full for lunch. Um, so the ambiance was, it's a simplistic serene ambiance. It's a reflecting Mediterranean with lots of natural light. It's a white square space. They have an outdoor terrace and an open kitchen. The front is a bit darker and narrower, but it's kind of cool that you walk through the kitchen. You're actually walking through the pass when, to get to the back. So it's perfect for a serious or adventurous food lovers. Interesting tidbit, Discretar is currently ranked number nine in the world's 50 best restaurants list. In 2018, it was ranked 18 as the highest new entry award, so it's moving up pretty fast. Personal fun fact, so when I left the restaurant, two of the chefs were standing on the street uh, after shift, and I was able to get a selfie with them and thank them for lunch. The third chef actually runs their more casual restaurant, Compatir de Cadix in Costa Brava. So the cost of this meal was $219. That's converted to U.S. and including tax gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, I would. I'd love to try more contemporary dishes. I'm sure they're, they're always working on new things, and I'd probably do the smaller menu because there's a lot of food. Uh, the website is just fruitjarbarcelona.com. Have you two chefs been there? Have you been, Massimo? You know, I work with these three, three guys when I was at the Bulli. Oh, really? In 1999 and 2000. And Matteo was, <laughs> was one of my chef de partie. And it was 
really tough, but so cool. We had such a great time. Oriol is uh, the, he was working in the special atelier with uh, Albert Adria, the Ferran's brother. And they were developing all this technique and uh, working. He's a genius. Oriol is super genius. He's such a great guy. And uh, this Futari is a beautiful, beautiful place. So you, you have to go. Yeah, I yeah. was, I was, I was, I really, I, it was a special experience yeah. and I'm no, glad no, I went. Good. And the one thing I do like about going solo is that you really take it all in. You're not distracted by anything. I agree. I agree. And there's a lot happening. There's a lot of these table side presentations yeah. 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 and, yeah. and yeah. things. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it was wonderful. I would recommend it as well. Yeah, me too. Okay, it's time for the final question. So my next guest is Ben Shekrun. He is the director de salle at Le Bernardin, which yeah. is Chef Eric Repair and Maggie Lacoze's four-star seafood restaurant here in New York City. Yeah. Massimo, what would you like to ask Ben? All right. First of all, I celebrate uh, the day after we won uh, number one in New York at Le Bernardin. <laughs> you oh, know, so I'm very <laughs> familiar with this and Ben is a super guy uh, you know it's good that you interview also service staff like that uh, I, I, co- I covered the whole a, industry yeah, that's, that's something <laughs> very special because before we were talking about this about women, men, uh, genders in general and uh, but for a long time uh, we have uh, and still now we still have problem uh, in uh, in the service everyone wants to be a chef right now and um, i think uh, i start i stopped talking about this i was supporting uh, noi di sala is an association with all the best uh, you know people from the room uh, and from the service uh, uh, things and uh, uh, since since the beginning because i think the experience of a, of a, a guest is like 50 and 50. 50% uh, it's about the food, 50% it's about the room, the service. It's like uh, if you have uh, a mediocre restaurant with a great service, the people, they want to come back. Uh, but if you have a great food with a very bad service, they're never gonna come back. So the point is, I want to ask him what you are doing, and you agree with uh, Will Guidara to keep uh, evolving this uh, idea of service and push the young generation to um, get deep into service and uh, uh, make them proud to work in a room and not just in a kitchen. Yes. Fabulous, I will ask. And he is, he is fabulous. He is fabulous. <laughs> he is fabulous. Yes. Yeah. And you're fabulous. <laughs> I'm a fabulous uh, No, seriously, you are. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, do you, I always say the name wrong. The, uh, Jelena's Shuffle. Jelena's. Jelena's. <laughs> do you remember doing that too back at Momofuku Co? Yeah, of course. And it's I, where, when I create uh, Autumn in New York. I we did the autumn too. in New York. I that was also day. there. It was near. It was a. It was about a month or so after um, when I was at Osteria Francescana yeah. in 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 Italy, and so I had those two back to back experiences with your food. It's and, cool. Yeah, it, it, it is so cool. And and so actually, I was texting with Sue today. Oh, Sue. Yeah, yeah. and uh, she's like, she's so 
amazing. And he's like, wow, you're in New York and you don't come and visit me? Come on, give me a kiss. You know, it's like we have, um, we have such a special relation with Dave and uh, all the team. And Sue, she's, uh, she's running the restaurant in such an amazing way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I feel extremely lucky that I've had experiences of meeting you, of having your food, of being at your restaurant, and, <laughs> and now doing this interview today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Wishing you much continued success. I, I'm not. I see you. I see you. I give yeah. you. I give. I see you when we're gonna open New York City refectorio. I okay? can't wait. I'm so at the opening. You gotta come and you're gonna uh, volunteer. Yes. And then uh, you're gonna write or talk about something like that. But I, first of all, you're gonna volunteer. Yes, you got it. Good. It be my pleasure. Done. Done. So thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. On, thank on you. Everything. Thank you. My guest today has been Massimo Botoro of three Michelin star Osteria Francescana in Modena, Italy. And he's also the founder, along with his wife, Laura Gilmer, of Food for Soul. Their websites are osteriafrancescana.it and casamarialuigia.com and foodforsoul.it. Thank you all. You can find me on social media at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. Websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com and AllInTheIndustry.com. You can also find our archive shows at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks again to Massimo, Antonio, and to Julia, who helped set up this interview. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next week with a live show. I hope you'll tune in then, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.